Yeah, there's definitely a lot of anxiety and fear with what's waiting on the other side. And I think that that's why we created Growth Focus to be the way that it is. Welcome to the Digital Nomad Cafe podcast, the show where we discuss what it takes to create a sustainable long-term online business in today's fast-moving environment. We talk with industry experts and freelancers alike to find out what it takes to build and manage a location-independent business. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Digital Nomad Cafe podcast. Today's guest is Danielle Demi from GrowthFocus.co. Danielle, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Danielle, yourself and Liz run a business where you help, you're looking to try and help people to move from having a full-time job to launching a virtual assistant business. Does that, would that kind of frame it nicely as, as to what you do? Yes, absolutely. We help people that want to leave maybe their structured, you know, corporate lifestyle and move into the freelancing world. Um, It's not easy to make that transition. And so we really work with people who are just starting with freelancing, get their start. But also we have worked with freelancers that want to switch gears and offer new services or dive into maybe something they had never considered doing with their career. So we started helping first-time freelancers, but now we've grown and we're helping freelancers from the start of their career to maybe the middle, or maybe they're just trying to pivot. So that's kind of like what we do. How did this begin? Like, were you working in a job and you wanted to start branching out and freelancing, like what was your own journey towards the uh, launch and growth focus? Yeah, it was absolutely like the, the stars like aligned when we started growth focus. I had grown up with two corporate working nine to five parents. And I just remember I was very, very blessed and privileged as a young girl. I had everything I could ever want there. And I'm definitely not complaining, but I always wished I had more time to spend with my parents. And we always had to wait for the weekend, which was, you know, two days or their two weeks of vacation, which by the time they had worked a full work week or all year, the vacations or the time off was spent relaxing. (laughs) And as a kid, you're like, what? We're we're having another staycation? Like what? We got to go somewhere, do something fun. So I always wanted more for myself. I didn't want to spend you know, 90% of my life at work and not very much doing the things that make me happy or spending time with my loved ones. And so I graduated college and right out of college, my first entry level real job, I guess, was a receptionist working nine to five Monday through Friday. And it was awful. It was an awful feeling, feeling like I had started that journey to be, you know, where my parents were working all the time. And at the time I had met a wonderful mentor and she had me work with her. She offered me a job as her virtual assistant. I'd never heard of it before. I was like, what is that? So I started helping her with her digital business along with, I was always a really great writer in college. And so I started writing blog content for her and her clients. And you can imagine my like mind was blown thinking that I could do work like that and not have to be at a in an office or something. Yeah, and so I did blog writing 
and virtual assisting for a few uh, months. And then I really found my confidence in working from home and being comfortable. And that's when really my career started just like going up from there. I started managing her team and then fast forward to when I met before I met. So I met Liz in February of 2020. And before that, I had worked in different companies, helping them manage their teams, manage their projects. I'd become a project manager. And by the time I met Liz, I was a full-on project manager. I helped Liz with her business, really create the platforms that help her team members and her contractors really do the work that they need to do seamlessly. Um, So we worked together for a little while before her and I really created a really close bond as friends and as dreamers. So Liz's background is she is a serial entrepreneur. She's operated brick and mortar pet businesses in Phoenix, Arizona. And so she had this big entrepreneurial background and I had this freelancer expert background. You know, I'd I'd spent so much time really creating my freelancing business. And by the time we met, we were like, we've got to combine forces and teach freelancers how to start and grow their business in a sustainable way. And it's making so much more sense now because now there's this real popularity with freelancing and having a side hustle. And Liz and I are both like, no, it doesn't have to be on the side or it doesn't have to be something that you do in combination with your full-time job. It can completely replace your work and you can do the things that you're really skilled in. So her and I make a power team. And as soon as we met, we were like, this needs to be growth oriented. We have to be growth focused. And so we went with that. And that is how the name was born. Yes. It's an interesting one, because like you're saying, in early 2020, you know, this obviously became more popular. Working from home became more popular. Having side hustles, things like that, you know, has reached its uh, probably peak of people Googling it and people looking into it. But like you're saying, transitioning from uh, having, you know, a full-time job with a side hustle to being a full-time freelancer is, it's a big jump for a lot of people. And they might have a lot of anxiety and a lot of concerns around it. So when you look at the sort of people who you're working with and helping, what do you feel comes up a lot when, you know, they're, they're looking at making this transition? Yeah, there's definitely a lot of anxiety and fear with what's waiting on the other side. And I think that that's why we created Growth Focus to be the way that it is. And you'll notice that in our brand, we use a lot of natural, you know, greens and, and things that represent growth in so many ways. Um, and we always talk about it, but, it, you know, growth is not easy. It's not always easy. And especially when you have to make big decisions, like going from a stable and a comfortable work environment um, to do something challenging that, you know, at first that may lead you to doing the work of your dreams, there's a lot of unknowns that go into that. And so Liz and I really work on the, you know, working with our students and our mentee uh, mindset to really switch from it's worth it. And it helps that they're able to work with us as mentors uh, because 
I didn't have someone in, in my corner when I was creating my freelancing business or when Liz started her, you know, brick and mortar businesses, she didn't have someone on her, on her side, really helping her navigate through the unknowns. So that's great that we're able to be that for our grow getters. Grow getters. I love it. Well, you know, there's a couple of things to unbox here. Like one part of it is, I mean, anybody who's into online business and basically, which is everybody who listens to this show, most people will have bought a course at some point and then not used the course. You know what I mean? Maybe they bought a course and they're like, oh, I'm going to do this thing about SEO or this thing about Facebook ads or whatever, web design. And maybe you open it and then you just forget about it. And this is the difference, I think, in having a course where you're part of almost a community as well, you know, and it brings in elements of accountability because you have the community built and you're having, uh, like you're saying, people have mentorship throughout it, but also that they have that accountability as well as the training modules. Like that helps you to get somebody to where they need to be so much faster than if you just buy a course and they do the course and whether they do it or don't do it is, I mean, relative to the person. But if you bring them through an experience with you and your business and you help them get there through mentorship and through accountability, they're far more likely to potentially succeed in their journey rather than just, you know, kind of one and done. You'll do the course whenever you have the time. Maybe you'll forget about it and go on YouTube. Yeah, absolutely. And that totally went into our thought process or our creation process when we created our Full Time to Freedom the basics course, we knew that people had a, you know, nowadays we have such a smaller attention span when we are online. There's just so much to think about. There's, there's so much to look at that we knew that when creating our course, that it would be to the point, there's no real like beating around the bush or there's no lengthy, pointless, whatever you might find in, in something online. But it's really to the point, it's concise, and we provide the actual resources. So in in one of our courses, Canva Basics is one of the things that we cover. We give a bite-sized lesson, and that can empower someone to go and try it out for themselves and dive deeper and actually get the hands-on experience. Because there's learning from listening, but then there's a whole nother you know, skill set that's gained when you're actually doing the work. So we definitely considered the length of our course and also that community aspect. We have a growth forum that comes with our course. And Liz and I are people persons. <laughs> we love to to connect with people individually. So even if the course, you know, prepares someone to know the basics or you have the growth forum with other people who are taking the course, we still like it's still our responsibility to check in and be like, are you, are you doing everything that you set out to do? And if not, let's find something that works. I guess I kind of have a couple of questions about this now, you know, related to like the topic of, of uh, virtual assistance. So do you feel that transitioning into a VA is one of the best transitions for people looking to start a freelance business? Yes, yes, definitely. Why do you believe that? Is it because so many of the skills are transferable or that they're easy to learn? I think you learn a lot about everything because you have to do, you know, sometimes the the people that you're working with or the companies that you're working with need someone to help with writing. And maybe you don't have that writing experience, but you get your hands on learning there. Or maybe you have to do, you know, try your hand at 
uh, web maintenance or whatever it is, or SEO, especially for people that are coming into the digital marketing world um, without that foundational knowledge. Um, you get that, um, but you also learn a lot about yourself. I don't know if my you know, path would have led me to growth focus had I just said, I'm really good at writing and just like went full on writing mode. I probably would have been burnt out um, at some point and been discouraged in, in my freelancing career. I had to really take the time to realize that I love working with people. And it took me stepping out of a writing role and being a manager for teams. And I also love organizing things. So I had to really find those areas of my strengths and skill set. So that VA path is just, it opens the doors to whatever you want to explore uh, in the future. So it helps you really try everything out and then say, okay, this is it. This makes sense for what I do, or this makes sense for a long-term career for me. And then you start to think about, okay, what can I do that makes my service different or what's it's going to set my freelancing business apart from other people that do this. So I think it it is a great, great start for people that are just transitioning from a full-time career or even, you know, if they just went remote and they have a job currently or, you know, whatever it, the situation may be, um, and they want to start getting this experience in different areas. There's lots of different types of, of virtual assistant and I hired a virtual assistant, but I call her my online business manager. Maria is her name. And that's because I feel like maybe the word virtual assistant it means different things to different people. And when I was hiring her, I, you know, I just was very mindful of like, this isn't just like data entry or something like that. This is, I wanted to hire somebody who helped me manage the multiple online businesses that I have. So podcast, web design, SEO, blog publishing, affiliate marketing, YouTube, like I have multiple things happening. And, and you know, she learns and is trained upon all these different things. But I have always thought of her as my online business manager. So when it comes to virtual assistants, I think that there's multiple layers to it. And that's what you're saying. Like, you know, you may start off more generic, like maybe you're helping a blogger or maybe you're helping a company or whatever it is. But as you learn the skills, you'll start with a broad range of skills, but you'll find ones that you like doing. And I mean, I think it's just as important to understand what you don't like doing, because like maybe you take on a job as a VA and you are doing a lot of data entry and spreadsheets and maybe you just hate it. (laughs) You know what I mean? Maybe you're a real creative person and video and Canva and Pinterest and Tailwind and using all these things, like maybe that's your jam. And there is a big market for you to serve bloggers, entrepreneurs, businesses by doing those things. So, but maybe you need to go through the process sometimes of learning. And I I guess potentially this is where doing a course and having some mentorship, would that help you to identify like the things that you like doing, but also importantly, the things that you, you don't like doing so that you can not take on that sort of work and then eventually become potentially resentful of of the sort of work that you're doing. Yeah, for sure. And like the transitioning from full-time to freelancing for me was so life-changing in the most positive ways. Like I am happier. I have, you know, this work-life balance where I don't feel like, where's my life going? I don't have that pressure. You know, I, I would always, you know, 
catch myself being almost like really worried about my future when I was working, you know, at a desk and I wasn't able to be creative. And so when I found that I could do the things that made me feel so powerful online and from the comfort of my own home, it was so liberating. And if someone has that and they, you know, ditch their full time and go to something that feels exactly the same and feels full-time at home, that's not okay. With the possibilities now online, it is so achievable to actually create a fulfilling career online where you don't have to do the things that don't serve your clients or that don't serve you. So Liz and I both have made it our mission to really help people get to that point. And yes, at first, being a virtual assistant, you may have to do the things and that's learning. And we go back to the growth and it's not, com- it, you know, growth is not really comfortable. It is going to take some time to grow. But if you can, you know, bunker down, learn that skill, you've added it to your resume or whatever your, you know, your portfolio, and then have your eyes on the prize and say, okay, now that I've learned that, let me figure out how to really sharpen my whatever skill I have so that I can elevate that and ditch that other one. And I don't ever have to revisit it again, where you kind of like elevate your specific gift. And then you can create your career based around that to where you can grow out of that virtual assistant where you're covering all of these different sections of a business where you really stand out as the expert in whatever you do. It's an interesting one because I think with virtual assistants, what I've noticed anyway over my years of of hiring is some are eager to learn and you can see it, right? They're doing like Kajabi courses in their spare time or they're doing, they're taking courses like the one at Growth Focus. Um, another one that comes to mind is VA Savvy or something. I think they have a big, huge Facebook group, but there's one, there's one other one. It's actually where I hired my virtual assistant from was through, through that Facebook group. And when you have, virtual assistants from somewhere like America or Canada or the United Kingdom. And then you have virtual assistants from places like the Philippines and Vietnam and Thailand. And you'll often see this discussion threads, let's say, where there's a, there'll often be a big difference in price. And I want to get onto that in a minute, like what kind of an entry-level VA in America could expect to earn and then maybe what an online business manager, kind of somebody who's a bit more tenured could potentially earn. But I feel that in the, in these Facebook groups, you know, if, if you read them, you'll often see that, you know, some of the ones in the Western countries would be saying things like, oh, I'd never do that. And they seem to have very clear boundaries. And then some of the uh, cheaper VAs tend to be willing to do anything. But in my experience, you might hire somebody, but as soon as they get a higher paying contract, they'll just go to that next person. You know what I mean? It's very flaky or people can be good and then they disappear. I, I have found that, I guess, both in with a United States assistant and somebody from um, the Philippines. So I guess what I'm trying to kind of circle back on here is like people seem to find it challenging to compete with the virtual assistants in places like the Philippines where English is the first language. What would you say if somebody was thinking about transitioning to being a virtual assistant, but perhaps they have a preconceived conception or you know thought in their mind that oh, virtual assistant you can't make great money at it or that's something that's you know it's it's too 
cheap to make a full-time transition from my job. It's like, how would you reframe that and how would you address that sort of topic if somebody was thinking about it from that perspective? Yeah, well, for companies, I, I work really closely with Liz's is company too. So I have like this both views of being a freelancer and a virtual assistant, but also seeing things at the company level. But I just like virtual assistants. And I always say like, it's always best to work with someone that is as close as possible to your time zone. And that is just good for longevity. So it's hard to really be on the same page if you're working, you know, with an eight hour time zone difference between you and your, you know, assistant. And that's what we've found to to work for, you know, whether it's our team at Growth Focus or Liz's uh, consulting team. It just really helps move the business forward faster when you're on the same page as, as close as possible. So we keep that in mind when we're hiring for assistance or whatever we're hiring for. Um, it just makes the communication clearer and it's good for, you know, deadlines and, and things like that. But just like virtual assistants in the United States, a lot of them really know what they want and what they will not do. And they have these structured offerings as a virtual assistant and what they what's included in their work. The same goes for uh, companies and, and business owners that are hiring for that help. A lot of them really know what they want and, and what kind of person they want to hire on. And if they are anything, you know, like Liz and myself, we hire for longevity. It's not something that we want to hire someone for uh, a few months and then you know, bye, you know, we teach, we work really closely together with our team members so that one, they get to know us better in our company, they get to understand our goals better. And then we're able to work together even better and plan for a brighter future for the company. So I think virtual assistants know what they want and companies know what to look for in the, in their virtual assistant. So if you are just considering going into being a virtual assistant, you have to know that there, if you know what you are offering, if you know exactly what you want out of, you know, a long-term, you know, whether it's relationship with a company, there is someone, there is a company out there who is looking for you and your skills where they, you will find someone that matches. This person wants a virtual assistant for 20 hours a week. That's what I have. They want someone that is committed long-term that can help with writing and organizing. Well, I can do that. And so maybe it will take some time for you to find that that perfect match. But once you do, it's going to help you really find out that person's pain points, you know, what they're constantly needing. And then it's going to help you narrow down your search later on down the line. You're going to understand their needs better and you're going to be able to find those clients better. So I don't think if you go into it, giving up before you even start and say, well, there's people offering way less, then you need to do some more soul searching and really realize, you know, find out, is this for you? Is this something you really want? But I have seen like so much success in the freelancers that we work with, because they know what they want. They know who their client is, their ideal client is, and they really work to create relationships that will lead them to those contracts or those positions. 
I hear what you're saying. I guess I, I was only just kind of framing it from the perspective of it's something that I see as a recurrent theme come up. But like you're saying, it's basically internal self-belief issues or, you know, maybe people who are just uh, haven't done that internal work. You know, they are worthy of charging a higher fee and they are worthy of um you know, the sort of clients that they would deserve. You kind of touched on a few different things that I'd like to unpack a little bit further. One is, do you feel that for being a virtual assistant, that it's very important to have structured offerings? Like I do this for this many hours a week and it costs this much. Do you feel that that is a better approach rather than saying my hourly rate is you know, whatever dollars. Does that, in your experience, help to have like, you know, I sell 20-hour packages or I sell 40-hour packages because that way you're you're selling in bulk and it's very specific? I think that's a great goal to work up to, to have the structured packages. I don't think everyone comes into being a virtual assistant knowing about packages and pricing structure. But I do think it's a great goal to work up to, saying that this is what you do. And it really allows you to highlight your strengths and your skills. It makes it individual to the work that you do. And it makes it so where you're not compared to the next virtual assistant because you have said, this is my skill. This is where I shine. I think that's a great goal to have. But I started with an hourly rate and that's where you really get that hands-on experience and whatever it is that your client really needs. So it's not bad to start with an hourly rate, especially starting out for bookkeeping's sake. I think that's going to be a little bit easier before you start to create your packages and you start to bill and and things like that. So I I think that's a great goal to have. But an hourly rate is is great for starting too. No, absolutely. And then I would like to kind of get a gauge on it because obviously I'm based in Ireland, in case you haven't guessed by my accent. Um, as you already know, but like kind of rates in the United States, I know it's like asking how long is a piece of string, but at the same time, generally speaking, in, in kind of an entry level versus somebody who's a bit more experienced a year or two in, like what do you see kind of based on, you know, the people who you're working with and who have come to your course and in your community? What do you see as kind of a general like starter rate, hourly rate for a virtual assistant who's based in somewhere like the United States? Yeah, it usually starts at $20 an hour and it can go upwards and it really depends. I like if there's like a piece of advice that I can give to a potential uh, virtual assistant or someone that's looking into it, definitely don't go with what other people are pricing their services at because that's like the the norm or whatever it is. And that's just because I see it happen so much. But it's really about your growth and your level of experience and your services. It's individual to the person, especially if you're coming out of, you know, a corporate job where you are working at a, you know, an ad agency or something like that. And you have this knowledge that someone else doesn't, you know, it's very, very personal. But I've seen it also go upwards to as a virtual assistant to like $75 an hour. Yeah, I've definitely seen the the spectrum in the United States. You know, it, it does typically be about 15, 20 from what I've seen in, in the groups and the packages that I've been sent. But that's, yeah. And like you're saying, you can make right up, you know, to very high freelance rates where you, you could only be doing a couple hours every week and you'd be you know sufficiently paid for the lifestyle that you're looking to live. So just kind of to, to kind of circle 
in, you know, as we close out the episode, like I know that finding clients is something that people definitely are a little bit fearful of, or they don't really understand how to go about it. So like, what would be your tips for, you know, finding your first clients and like, how would you approach it? This topic has really come up a lot and already in 2021 with Liz and I, and we've talked about this. It's always helpful for the freelancer or the virtual assistant to really do the work for their own brands and really identify who they are, what kind of work they do, how they're going to serve their client, and really come up with, this is how much I'm going to get paid based on my experience and really have that foundational information solidified for their self before they think about how they can serve a client. Because if you don't have that all, if you don't have your ducks in a row when you are a freelancer and you are looking for clients, you really don't have the guiding light as to what jobs you should be applying for and which ones fit your needs or which ones are like don't. So it makes no sense for someone to have these goals for their freelancing business, but then jump at every job that comes through on you know a job site or whatever. I think that is so important. Yeah, exactly. Like knowing you hit on it earlier on where you're saying just knowing who your ideal client is or who is the type of person that you want to work with. Like, do you want to work with a course creator? Do you want to work with a company? Do you want to work with a blogger? Like what is the sort of business, uh, you know, who is your ideal version of a client? And then, you know, once you have that frame of reference, you can kind of make it, you know, kind of like ready, aim, fire. Like you can be like, okay, so they're going to be in these type of Facebook groups. They're going to be titled this certain thing on LinkedIn. Like, because if you don't, like you're saying, if you're just like, oh, I just want to be a VA for who? For anyone. Then maybe you'll work with some company. You you just don't like the work that you're doing. And, you know, and, you know that was because you weren't specific to begin with. So to spend that time initially, who are you? Who do you? Who do you want to serve? And, you know, what are your skills that you can um, develop and offer? So that's insightful, you know, and that's that's kind of the beginner work. That's the work only you can do. You know, nobody can do that work for you. We, you can be given all the strategies and all the tactics for how to find those people afterwards. But only you, the individual listening, could decide who it is that you want to serve. <laughs> exactly. It always comes back to that. It always comes back to that, no matter what. And especially like as service providers. So Liz and I mentor freelancers and that's the service that we provide. And it goes back to, you know, any kind of service provider. It will always come back to what what kind of work you will do for your own brand or what you will do for your own, you know, to push yourself forward, whether it's you know, taking that time up front to really outline what you do and who you serve, and then having that as your guide for applying for jobs that takes that time. But then, you know, the alternative is you don't spend that time, but you spend so many hours a week looking in Facebook groups for dead ends, or you get the client that makes you miserable because you don't know anything about their industry, but you just wanted the quick job. So it's like you have to put in the time up front to really understand your goals and really carve out that game plan for what you will, you know, what you will do to make it happen or things that you should avoid. But it's it's always like the biggest accelerator for anyone's service-based business or the biggest roadblock for anyone's service-based business is themselves. Like, that is it. 
drop the mic there. Daniel, thank you very much. Uh, no, but that's that's the perfect way, I think, to, to round up and end the episode. You're, you're dead right. And, you know, this is where working on your inner game is important and having supportive people around you can be helpful and having mentorship can, you know, really help you when you, when you are having that kind of self-doubt or imposter syndrome. And, you know, also to keep you accountable to make sure that you have clearly identified you know, who your ideal clients are, who you are going to serve, because sometimes you just need that person to look at you and, and tell you, mm, it's not very clear. It's still very broad. You know, we need to work on this a little bit more. And while it might be initially a little bit painful, ultimately it'll serve you in the end and, and help you grow faster and help you find work that you find you know fulfilling and meaningful rather than work that you just don't like to do and working for the sake of it. So, Danielle, thank you very much. So if people want to connect with you, where can they find you online? They can find us on Instagram at Growth Focus Co. And they can find us on our website at www.growthfocus.co. Lovely. Thank you very much. So look, thank you for all the listeners for tuning in as well. Take care. Have a good day. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Digital Nomad Cafe podcast. Head over to the website to access the resources and links mentioned in today's episode at digitalnomadcafe.com.